Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. That was beautiful. Let's, let's, let's give them a round of applause. Amen. And let's give a bigger one to Jesus. Amen. We'll sing his praises every morning, every dawning. Hallelujah. He's a good, good father. Amen. Good morning. This morning I woke up. It was raining. The weather looked drab. So I decided to look like a mango tree. Uh, that is in full bloom. I love mangoes. I looked at a mango tree in my house. It had dark green, the fruits were yellowish, and you know, some black hues. I said, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Let me look like a tree, a mango tree. <laughs> that was just to make you laugh. <laughs> good morning. Uh, as we say in Ghana, morning, morning. You know, Jesus told his disciples that they should pray that he doesn't return in winter. In Ghana, a Ghanaian version of that scripture will be pray that I don't return in the rainy season. Uh, because every appointment gets cancelled once it rains. So congratulations for making it to church. Uh, t- tell your neighbor, congratulations, you made it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God has a wicked sense of humor. So... This morning, I'm supposed to speak on punctuality. And as far as I remember, I think it's the only morning where I came to church late. (laughs) I got here seven minutes past nine. Like, that's late, you know. Normally, because of the rehearsals, the choir likes to do these quick rehearsals before the service starts. So typically, we are here earlier because Gloria... And the worship team need to rehearse. And then today, the day I'm supposed to blast all of you for coming late and sound holier than thou and make you feel guilty for not loving the Lord enough, you know, preach judgment and damnation and doom. I am late. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But it also tells you God loves you very much. He didn't want me to mess up your mood. You know. Interestingly, as I was sitting just now during the worship team, uh, the Holy Spirit dropped a scripture I learned when I was a teenager in my heart. It's from Psalm 46. And it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I was like, that's interesting. Because I was looking for scriptures on how punctual God is. Uh, Many times we feel as though he doesn't hear us early enough. But that some says God is actually very punctual. He's a very present help. Amen. Sometimes he doesn't feel like it. Because if we had our way, the blessing would have come 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But he's actually never late. He's always on time. Amen. And we are his children. I wanted to begin today's sermon 
with a Ghanaianized version of a parable. So I grew up in Tema. The most beautiful lady, I was a kid, but she was in her teens then. The most beautiful lady in the neighborhood was Araba Samson. God-fearing, really, really God-fearing. Not the snake under grass, praise the Lord, hallelujah, sister, and then, no. Truly God-fearing, very smart. You know, if you, I do a lot of work in, in villages. Every village you go to, every community, there's always that village princess. You know, <laughs> she, if my community, if community and I was a village, Araba Samson was our village princess, and she loved the Lord. Got a scholarship, became an architect, loved her work, loved the Lord. And then finally, at the age of 37, she finds the one. You know. She used to see all men as trees. <laughs> and then finally, Winston came along, and Brother Winston was the man. They fell in love. They actually met at some architectural conference or something like that. Fell in love. Her friends actually started calling her Mrs. Churchill. His last name wasn't Churchill, but because he was Winston. You know, like, hey, Mrs. Churchill. I think about a year, around about a year after they started dating, they were going to have a wedding. And Winston, his family. The, the thing is, Araba came from a good home, you know, and they were comfortable, comfortable. Um, you know, back in the day, not that many families had cars. So if your family has two, <laughs> you are rich. So she came from a good home, very well-mannered, very beautiful, very God-fearing. And Brother Winston always felt that she was too good for him. On their wedding day, Arabe's grandmother wanted to come from her village and then come and pray over her tiara, bless her before they would take her to the church. Old lady came late, but she came. Um, the family prayed, they bound or binded, what's the correct one? They, <laughs> all the demons from Tema to Accra, I think it probably even affected the ones in Osu. <laughs> they were busy binding and losing, prophesying into her marriage. Three to four hours later, the preacher, in fact, it wasn't just the preacher, the registrar, because they, he wanted, they brought the registrar to, so they can sign right there, said he had another wedding and he couldn't be late because he's a, an officer of the state. And the preacher also said he also has another wedding. So one the preacher for the wedding and the officer couldn't make it. By the time Araba Samson got to her wedding, there was no priest and there was no registrar. And not only that, Winston felt too embarrassed. I think they had decided to travel outside for their 
honeymoon. So he already had a visa. He felt so embarrassed. He felt she stood him up. That's the thing with dating very beautiful girls. There's always another brother in the corner lurking around trying to. So he felt maybe at the last minute she changed her mind. And Mrs. Churchill never became Mrs. Churchill. The wedding never happened. So this is just a Ghanaian version of Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lambs. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lambs are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside, calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Amen. So we just had a Ghanaian version, and I think we could all relate more to the Ghanaian one. You know, the wedding that didn't happen because the bride was too late. It's a similar story. But what is really interesting about lateness is that if you compare the five wise virgins to the five foolish virgins, the whole experience cost the foolish virgins more. Okay, this is what I mean. So let's say the wedding, this wedding was happening in Osu. And where you could get the olive oil is in Mokola. Okay. They all passed through Mokola, bought some olive oil. These people just didn't buy enough. So now when they were in Osu, and it was around midnight, <laughs> they had to find an Uber. Who says, no, my meter is off. Around this time, you have to pay special price. Go and find somebody who will sell them olive oil at that time, who probably, if it's a typical Ghanaian scenario, will sell it to you at a special price. So what you was two CDs in the morning, they are probably paying about eight CDs for at this time, only to come back, extra transportation, all to score zero. It is like failing an exam. I don't know if anybody has ever failed an exam. It is much more difficult to fail an exam than to pass one. If you know the answers, you just write it. If you don't know the answers, you scratch your head. The clock moves very, very slowly. <laughs> and if you're a Christian, you add a bit of prayer, a bit of conjecture. 
and you sweat throughout the one hour, 20 minutes or whatever of the exam. And that's the thing with lateness. Uh, recently on Clubhouse, a young man said, an opportunity of a lifetime must be taken in the lifetime of that opportunity. It just stuck when, when, when he said that. He said, an opportunity of a lifetime must be taken in the lifetime of that opportunity. We live in a country where, as a culture, but to be fair, we didn't invent the clock. Okay. There's nothing Ghanaian about the clock. There's nothing African about the clock. In our languages, it is the sun is rising. The sun is very hot. It is getting dark. So for us, time is very fluid as a culture. You know, like when you say morning, in fact, we still debate at what time do you say good evening and good night? Like, when do you stop saying good afternoon and switch to good evening? Like in Ghanaian culture, it's a debate. We are not firm on these things. If there's a little sunshine around 6 p.m., you can still say good afternoon. Oh, no? well, that's too late. You know, but if it starts getting dark around 4, you can say good evening. Oh, Do you get my point? It's, it's not us. It's, it's the culture. You know? And in this story, we see these women who all their lives, the one opportunity they've been waiting for, dreaming about, they missed it because they were late. When the bridegroom arrived, they hadn't returned. They were late. This is not the only story of somebody being late and missing the opportunity in the Bible. There is also Esau, who went to get some game, this is Genesis 27, for his dad. You know, his father said, hey, go get me some game, come and prepare something for me to eat, and then I will bless you. First, I will eat your food, then I will bless you, then I will die. You know, the way Isaac said it, you'd, it almost feel as though he was looking forward to dying. Like, you know, like, you know, go and hunt for me, cook for me, I'll eat it. Then I'll bless you, then I'll die. He was very positive about his death. He wasn't sad about it. That's the thing with knowing where you are headed. You know, knowing that for us we have life beyond this life. And then, just when in verse 30, just when Jacob finishes blessing Esau, sorry, blessing Jacob, just when Isaac finished blessing Jacob, the brother who came to steal the older brother's blessing, just when he finished and was getting out of the door, Esau comes in. Esau was just a few minutes late. He was just a few minutes late. And the repercussions of he being a few minutes late. He not getting there in time to stop his brother from stealing his blessing. Say, Dad, he's trying to steal my blessing. Don't give it to him. That, those few minutes of lateness, they didn't just affect his soul. It affected his descendants. His father said, I cannot revoke the blessing I have pronounced on your brother. You will be his servant. That cannot change. 
you will be his servant. If you ever want your independence from him, you'd have to be violent about it. The only way you can break his yoke is through violence. And in fact, the places where you will live, the dews of heaven will not fall there. This, you know, so when he finally managed to squeeze some blessing out of his father, you can't tell whether it's a blessing or a curse. It affected his children, affected his grandchildren. Thousands of years after, we can trace the descendants of Esau. Thousands of years after. Because he came in five minutes late. There are a few important lessons that I think will help us to learn. The first one is that a lot of the blessings you are praying for, other people also want it. It's important to remember that. The job you've been fasting and praying for, somebody else wants it. So if you are slow about it, <laughs> they'll take it. Sometimes it's your own brother in Christ. The person you've been praying with, they've also sent in their CV, they haven't told you. Esau's own biological brother, not just brother, twin, his own twin, coveted his blessing and took it. An opportunity of a lifetime must be taken in the lifetime of the opportunity. The other thing about not being on time is that it shows that you have no respect for the other person's time. What is interesting about the Matthew 25 story we read was that the bridegroom was delayed. So he was late. <laughs> it's not fair, is it? He was late. But you are not allowed to be late. He didn't need them. They needed him. That's why your boss can show up at work at 12 noon for the whole year. And one day he shows up at 8 o'clock, you walk in at 8.05 and he says you're fired. Because your contract says you have to show up at 8. And he'll be fair. <laughs> you know, because when you're late, he says, I don't respect you, I don't respect your time. I don't think you have anything important to do with your time. And it can cost you a lot. I, I know this, you know. I, I, I recent, Last year, the biggest contract I had last year was a job in Cote d'Ivoire. That job had taken two years to materialize. No, no, actually a bit more than two because we started talking about it before COVID hit. And then... Even I think about six months to a year before COVID hit, because it involved the biggest cocoa buying company in Cote d'Ivoire, and they are it's a massive company with branches all over, and it required that I'll visit from branch to branch, 
And you know, because people have their own dealings, sometimes people are not comfortable. They'll give an excuse. I'm traveling, that, that. So we couldn't pull it off, and then COVID happened. And then after COVID, took, so, yeah, so, but around November, December last year, everything aligned. And I had all these people lined up waiting. Really tight schedule. From here, you go here. From there, you go there. Basically, I was going to tour the country. <laughs> and they have some really bad roads in Cote d'Ivoire. But you'd be going up and down. Okay. So I had all these people lined up waiting. Tight schedule. And then I decided that because I hate waiting, I'll go to the airport maybe 30 minutes before my flight, before check-in closes. I'm not carrying a lot of luggage. And then there was a bit of traffic. And then I got a taxi driver or Uber driver who doesn't know the airport well. And just when, <laughs> at that moment when I think I looked down to pull out my wallet to pay him, he took the wrong turn. And he went to arrival instead of departure. You know, because once you turn into the arrival, there, there's no way around it. You have to pay. In fact, you have to pay to get out. So now I had to carry my luggage and run. And when I got to the counter, the counter had closed. The counter had closed, I think, for about four minutes. And I was panting. And I became very Ghanaian at that moment. I looked at him, I said, I beg. <laughs> I beg. <laughs> I think Ghanaians own the word, the expression, I beg. I started begging. I was sweating. And then the gentleman looked at me. I think he had regretted still sitting there. Because if he had stood up, so he said, he pointed to the, the office and said, Go to the lady at the office. If she reopens the counter, I'll check you in. I went and I was sweating and I was begging profusely. The opportunity of a lifetime. Nearly lost. Near, I mean, she looked at me and she was, in Ghanaian expression, she was a small girl, you see? <laughs> Small girl, probably just out of college or something. She looked at me up and down, and I was still saying, I beg. <laughs> I was still saying, I beg, I beg, I beg. So finally, by the mercies of God, she opened the counter, and I checked in. But I was thinking, if she hadn't, what would I have done? How sloppy would I look? Because my client is not a Ghanaian or an Ivorian who is used to the situation of people sometimes showing up late. You know, like we are used to it. Let's be fair. We, we are like we are used to it. She's Swiss. <laughs> if you know anything about the Swiss, you know, she's not just Swiss. She's sitting in Switzerland. How was I going to send this lady an email 
and say, well, the flight got cancelled. She can see from her office that the flight didn't get cancelled. What, what was I going to say? You know, I felt so sloppy. So unprofessional. You know, like, I felt nobody told me anything. But just the number of I begs I had to say. The stress, I could feel my blood pressure rising. A job you've been praying for for over two years. Nearly lost because you are four minutes late. So, as you know, for this month, we've been talking about the little things that rob us. Little things. They are not big things. They are not murder. They are not stealing. They are not adultery or fornication. You know, like the sins the church loves to talk about. But King Solomon said, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes. For they destroy the vine. They steal our joy. They destroy the vine. I want to encourage all of us to learn to be punctual. Now, if I have a flight, one hour, no, one hour, I'm there. I'm like, oh, I can pay to stay in the lounge. How much does it cost? You get like, if you compare the stress, I'll take a book, I'll take my Kindle. Because you never know when some hiccup might happen. Recently, no, last, yeah, yeah, a few months ago, I had to do a job with a lady in the, up, in the, in the northern region, in the Damongo area. Bought a ticket. I had learned my lesson from Cote d'Ivoire. So I was there more than an hour before check-in closes. 30 minutes into me checking in, I called her. In fact, when I was checking in, I called her. And she said, oh, she's on her way. But the way she said she was on her way, I suspected. She, I don't know. But she didn't sound anywhere on her way. She sounded like more like, I'm on my bed. Whatever. When they called the flight, as I was walking into board, I called her. I said, where are you? They've called the flight. She said, oh, I'm at the counter. They are checking me in. A minute later, she called me and said, oh, they said they can't check me in. So you know what she had to do? She had a ticket, paid for it. It, didn't, it wasn't her money. All she had to do was show up, get on the flight, get paid good money, much more money than she ever gets from her regular everyday jobs. Now she had to leave the airport, go to STC yard, sit on an STC bus for over 13 hours. By the time she got to Damongo Junction, it was 2 a.m. 2 a.m., 13 hours, sitting on a bus for a flight that would have been less than an hour or about an hour. 13 hours. Got there at 2 a.m. Now, and that's the thing with being sloppy. It affects other people because I couldn't sleep because I was responsible for her. And I couldn't tell her to find any trotter at 2 a.m. to come to Damongo because it's about it's over an hour. So now I had to hire a vehicle. I couldn't find any you know, driver took three hundred Ghana CDs just to go and pick her. In fact, to be there waiting for her SDC to arrive and bring her to the hotel. In the morning 
she was working, but she was so tired. You could see, you know, her bones were aching. And I couldn't be harsh on her because I remembered my Côte d'Ivoire experience. Just as this morning, I can't be hard because I was also late. So anytime it comes to this, God always reminds me, I'm also work in progress. But I think the core of the message is that lateness, if you're Ghanaian or African, is not a big deal. But the truth is that it actually steals from us. If it doesn't do anything at all, it tells people you are not competent. It tells them you are not a very serious person. You know? So even before they listen to you or give you an opportunity to show what you can do, there's a part of them thinks, now this is not a very serious person. You know? And if you have to work internationally, that is really bad. There are people I've not been able to recommend for certain positions and opportunities because I'm worried that they might be late and I will look bad. <laughs> because if I recommend you, it is also my name. You know, it's a little thing. It's a little thing. In the culture, it doesn't appear to be a big deal. But trust me, it can steal everything from you. Being late can steal everything from you. Everything. Last week, Nana was telling us about her father, who, if he has a meeting somewhere and doesn't know the place, will go the day before to find a place so that he knows how long it is from his house or his office to the place. And also so he doesn't spend time trying to find the office. So the day of the meeting, he shows up just on time. I hope it's a habit we can all cultivate. Amen. This is not the most spiritual of sermons, isn't it? <laughs> but our God is a punctual God. God is a refuge and strength and a very present help. May we be very present. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. This this month, we know you've been just you've just been working on on character, on on the little things that rob us. On we've talking about spoken about gossiping. We've spoken about a sense of entitlement, the need the need to care more, the need to engage, to be compassionate and engaged, and not passive about life. And today, we've heard Lord about the need to be punctual, to be on time, to show up properly and to show up on time. May you help us develop this. This is something we all struggle from as a culture. And we know that you talk to us about this because you want us to be better. You want to help us. Lord, help your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.